The following podcast contains adult themes and topics. Yes, we're going to talk about adults and their learning habits. What did you expect? We are Natalia. I'm Ida. I'm Bogdan. And together we invite you to join our non-formal talks. And welcome back. We are back with a new episode on non-formal talks. Today we are going to talk about a specific principle of non-formal education that is experiential learning or learning by doing. Woo! So exciting. <laughs> exciting, exciting. So um I don't know. I have a I have a question that I'd like to ask the two of you. How does this learning by doing looks in practice for you? Um, I think it can look uh, pretty differently. Uh-huh. Uh Well, yes. I mean, one thing learning by doing is when you involve people as a group to some experience, to cross a river or uh, to participate in a simulation activity. Or another one could be that you basically explain them how to do something and then they practice. And I guess in both cases... We speak about experience, no? I also I say, yeah. learned, I think, in these last weeks that this learning by doing did not happen so much when Bogdi went to school. Uh, but in an ideal world, I guess this can happen also in school. And there are these simple, I think, examples that don't even include a group, but just the fact that you maybe go to the zoo and you look at elephants and you touch the elephant rather than reading about it in a book. And mm. this is something By the way, have you touched an elephant? You are saying about touching. So. <laughs> I was just having, I was having this image actually of me touching an as a child actually being in this place where there was an elephant which, which by the way it was an elephant in Finland which makes me think it was a very sad elephant. <laughs> oh my god. There's only elephant this elephant does not exist anymore unfortunately, but I was wow. there as a child observing somehow experiencing i guess this elephant i don't think i actually touched it but okay in an ideal world i guess this would be part of it that you also like engage with the mm. elephant and you touch it and you experience an elephant um and then you would maybe go back to the classroom or you go back to the group that you're with and then you reflect on this experience and you talk about the elephant and then because you were there and you have something already in your mind you can actually maybe learn in a better way and you can actually reflect on this experience. How was it? How did it feel? How did it sound? How big was it? And it's easier maybe to comprehend this elephant experience. I think many people would argue with you that if you want to see an animal, you need to go to where uh, elephant lives. Not this to is not zoo. an advertisement for zoos, by the way. That's a whole different discussion. But as a learning experience, it's probably quite useful. Yeah, because I touched an elephant at some point <laughs> and I was really surprised. You know, it's like this. Exp yeah, I know. It's funny. Huh? Uh, I never thought the skin of the elephant feels as it actually felt. It's it's mm. it's I don't know. I mean, if any any of you have thoughts about touching an elephant, mm. you should try it. I don't know where, but but it's really outstanding. <laughs> and, mm. and really, like you have an impression that you think you know what it is, but until you actually touch the skin of the elephant you you can't really you know uh, it's 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 an amazing experience mm. speaking about experiences and and see we are now discussing an experience uh, yes. and actually this is a dimension that i think it's also important when we talk about experiential learning especially in non formal settings 
because it's not just about creating the opportunity for people to have an experience or creating that uh, that experience but it's also what comes with the, with that experience meaning the moment where you reflect and you talk about it mm-hmm. you talk about what happened and there is this moment of course where uh, learning is expecting to uh, to be discussed and to be eventually reviewed and 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 concluded so mm-hmm. for me also this dimension of of talking about the experience uh, is extremely important when we talk about this principle uh, mm-hmm. of learning by doing. It's interesting also that you mentioned the sensation of, of touching the elephant and how it feels, because very often the power of experiential learning is exactly this, that it speaks to different emotions and feelings in your body, that it's not just your brain that is processing information, but it's actually uh, either it's emotions, sadness, happiness, um, excitement, curiosity, or it's even these physical sensations of uh, how something feels, how something smells, how something is, because the point of an experience is that it's holistic in a way, and that there are many things that trigger you. And this is also why it maybe stays with you in a different way and why it's uh, memorable also, which then is useful in the further process, because of course, in experiential learning, the experience is just the first step, and then you have more steps and more things that follow in order for this to be a full learning cycle. Yeah, but I guess also what is valuable in experience comparing to, let's say, one channel uh, getting the information is that it opens much more floor for this uh, surprise. Mm. And actually you can get, hmm, ha, oi, oops. Uh, I mean, it's not always a positive one, but but somehow you open this door for this surprise. Mm And mm. you, in a way, also, this is where you become vulnerable mm. because often uh, in experience, you cannot, uh, maybe you can, but often you cannot just fake certain things. Mm. What is it that you find as practitioners challenging when it comes to experience and experiential learning in the trainings that you work on? I think many times it is exactly this that Natalia mentions this. Um, not always a surprise element, but the maybe uncertainty of reactions. Because I think, I mean, of course, when we plan uh, these these things as as non-form education practitioners, we often talk about simulations or we talk about some kind of educational exercise that we plan and we implement with the group. And then you can always expect, I think, certain reactions or you can always expect certain points to be maybe brought up or to be mentioned. That's also sometimes some part of the plan. So you kind of plan it in a way that some things always come up, but there will always be unexpected outcomes and maybe unexpected sometimes triggers or the group might act in a different way than you were expecting. And this is fine. And I think it's part of it. But as a practitioner, it can sometimes be difficult to handle, especially if yeah, the reaction is very emotional or the reaction is very strong. And I think this mm-hmm. this is where you need to have, I think, uh, sensitivity to react to it, but also skills to how to handle it and, and what to do when, I think. Yeah, exactly. and, may- mm-hmm. and maybe uh, to add to that, that uh, often uh, these experiential learning activities, they are not so easy to set up and they usually require some sort of preparation. And... Um, 
I'm not even mentioning that often uh, they require more than one uh, facilitator or more than one trainer. And I guess this is one of the limitations. And I guess, obviously, debriefing is another part of it that, as Ida said, sometimes it's so difficult to um, somehow foresee what with what participants will uh, come out from this experience that you, of course, can plan certain things for debriefing or making sense of uh, what has just happened. But often you just act on the spot in the reality, mm -hmm. which is also a foreign reality for you, which is not, uh, let's say, well known. So it's like this ch always challenging space, both for participants, but also for facilitators to, to handle it and to make it uh, meaningful. Because mm -hmm. sometimes experience might be emotional, might be hard. But what makes it meaningful, it's actually where facilitator leads a group and the group grows through this debriefing mm -hmm. and reflection and so on. And this is challenging and this is challenging and a skill, but also there are a lot of factors which uh, may interfere and influence. And yeah, I agree that in general, it is full of risks. Mm -hmm. Another limit, I think, is also time, because I think in order to have this fulfilling, um, holistic, experiential learning experience, you need enough time. You need enough time for the experience itself, but also for the debrief afterwards. And my experience is that we don't always either have the time or we don't give it the time that it needs, especially for, for stronger or for bigger or more powerful experiences. Yeah, but yeah. also another, I guess, limit is to explain the value of experiential mm -hmm. learning both to participants, but also sometimes uh, to those who hired you to make a training course, mm -hmm. especially uh, when they want to put everything on the agenda. And I guess it's probably a question of time, but it's also a question of understanding of what kind of learning you can come up with if uh, you go through certain experience. And sometimes it is very difficult to explain to those who pay for the training course. Mm. Yeah, because it's it's much easier to have someone stand in front of the group and, and start a monologue uh, and finish it one or two hours later, uh, knowing that everything has been said and assuming that pe people who were in the in the public they listened and they got all the points while with experience it's it's a different kind of connection we create to the content that we deliver as well and i don't even mention the fact that often it's very difficult to evaluate or to assess experience right after the experience mm -hmm. and i guess Obviously, this is a bigger question for non-formal education as such, how we uh, evaluate and how we validate and how we, um, in a way, recognize the uh, learning gained through experiential learning. But this is one of those uh, limits, which I guess sometimes stop educators from um, going into certain bigger educational experiences. I think it can also be maybe not just for educators and for those who... I don't know, fund the, the educational experience, but also for participants, I think it can be quite a, it's also a demanding thing to take part in a, an experiential learning exercise. And people these days are also busy and we also have sometimes, I think we ourselves as learners sometimes come with this bias uh, towards uh, the formal education in the way that we have been maybe raised or raised to think throughout our lives and it can sometimes be challenging also to to actually be put in a space as a participant as a learner that is experiential and that is 
surprising and that is emotional and that takes time. And I think this is another, maybe not a limit, but it is a challenge to, to the type of education itself where participants are not even maybe capable of of this kind of situation because it is so strong and it's different from the type of education that they have been mostly faced with in their before this exercise yeah i i'm i'm trying to go back to 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 some um experience that i've had lately in trainings and one of my conclusions after the training was that that one of the things that seems to be missing also and it we, you're talking about demanding that the, the fact that working with experiential learning mm -hmm. is demanding. So one of the things that I've noticed is missing is actually observation, mm -hmm. the capacity of actually observing what is happening around you when you are a participant so that mm -hmm. then you can uh, reflect on it and, and so on and so forth. And that's the second dimension, being critical about yourself and how you go through a, a specific process. Uh, I still remember when I have people that have that kind of capacity in, in a training group, mm -hmm. I am, I don't know, sometimes hanging on to these people because the kind of examples they can mm -hmm. get out of the experience that can be a learning uh, support for the others in the group, mm -hmm. they are just simply amazing. The examples they give, the the reflection, the thoughts they share. So, so it's also demanding on, on, on that, from that perspective, but it's also demanding for us uh, because we also mm -hmm. need to be observant as, as trainers to see what is happening, mm -hmm. to see where, uh, you know, like same the same process applies to two groups may not have the same result, even though yes. it's the same exercise. So being yes. observant and seeing what happens, what are some of the key elements that happen in mm -hmm. each group at which yes. moment, based on which we can pick up then uh, a, a learning point and, and bring it to the debriefing, as you were you were mentioning earlier, mm -hmm. Natalia. Uh, one thing I want to say, because uh, I don't want also to create this impression that there are so many limitations uh, <laughs> which uh, should definitely uh, keep us away from experiential mm -hmm. learning. And I do believe actually in this part of a theory which says that experiential learning is a very natural way of learning. This is mm -hmm. how humanity started learning. So in a way, it's also the most common way of learning. And I guess sometimes it's uh, in non-formal education is a good reminder that this is a very common, very natural mm -hmm. way of learning for a human being. And I guess it's also uh, important uh, for us as educators to remember that before mm -hmm. uh, we start thinking about all these limitations and complications, because it's the most natural and one of the most powerful. It makes sense. And it makes That's sense. That's why we do it. I wanted to comment earlier, you said, uh, Bogdi, on this uh, having participants who reflect and who share their reflections or who connect the exercise to real life and so on. I just wanted to comment there because uh, there is this certain, I mean, there is, I think, always the moment, the aha moment that happens. You, you do an exercise, you reflect on it, you start thinking about how it connects to real life. And then there is usually at some point there is the aha moment. There is someone who shares an example and says, actually, what we just experienced here, it does happen in my country. And for me, this is as a facilitator, it's such a beautiful moment when this happens and when someone uh, has this, <laughs> makes this connection. And then I always have the same hope, as you said, yeah. that, okay, now, if they didn't get it now, now they will all get it. The whole group will get it now. I don't know if it's true, but at least this this feeling, I think is so beautiful when when you see the, you know, you see the light or the group sees the light. Yes. But it's not only about the light. It's also about being brave in the learning mm. process. I guess experiential learning also make participants to become brave 
and to express certain things which otherwise they would not have expressed. And I mm. guess this moment of uh, braveness or brave education, mm. this is what experiential learning uh, really contributing to. Yeah, actually, all of this makes me think of of a positive. Let's uh, let's move away <laughs> from the challenges, right? To the positive aspect of experiential learning, and and this is one of the things I I tend to say to most of the trainees I work with, especially in train training of trainers uh, settings, is that using experiential learning is in in other words is using metaphors because whatever we create, whatever experience we create for the group is is a simple mm-hmm. metaphor of what actually exists and happens in in uh, in life out there. Is the only difference is that this time we are doing this in this particular group, in this particular environment, and we have the trust of one another and we have the possibility to really dig deeper if if we want mm-hmm. to. And that's what I appreciate so much about experiential learning, because it, it it's just reproduces, it it puts you in a in a in a situation and it just asks you to behave as you normally behave. Mm. Uh, and that's it. And there is the learning that comes at the end. And again, if you have a group that has people that are able to reflect at a deeper level, uh, wow, it's it's what you were saying. Like you you really, you just, you just want to, you can also feel the tear coming to your eyes, basically, at the end of the, of the debriefing. Yes, because it's emotional also for the trainer. And this is the beauty of it also, that it also makes you as a trainer, it makes you grow and you learn new things as well, because... You never know what the group will bring. And there's always new things, new experiences that you didn't have. And then you can also learn. In our experience with Bogdi, when we worked on uh, this informal course, basically there was this moment when we thought, okay, uh, this is a training course for educators, how we can engage participants from the very beginning. And then we thought, okay, what if we apply this principle of experiential learning from the very beginning of the program. In other words, that uh, participants from the first day experience what does it mean to be a trainer. And then all this theory, which usually we give, like on how to do debriefing, la la la, or how to structure a session, it comes after. Mm. Because it would become more relevant for them mm. after they just had an experience uh, and realized where they are in terms of um, mm. uh, in terms of understanding what non-formal education Mm-hmm. is and I guess uh we did it already I guess more than 20 times and every time it just works and then um, this is where we use this um experiential learning as a way to actually uh become um, um, a reference point for mm-hmm. future inputs but also after that we offered another possibility when they could repeat what they did on the first or second day uh, and apply what mm-hmm. actually uh, was given to them mm. as a theoretical inputs in between mm. and I guess this is as a whole it creates this double loop of learning like not just a circle but actually a cycle mm. which when you go at least to through through two circles of the cycle um, within one training course and this is very very powerful and this is actually when people really experience and learn and this is also when they can assess that they have learned immediately so you you can assess it in the end of the training course it's a perfect example because you mentioned the cycle and this is exactly what we're going to talk about in the next episode when we're going to take you through some of the theoretical background and that underpins experiential learning we're going to talk about call but we're not only so stay tuned and until next time take care